0: You're listening to the Eastside Church Sermon Podcast Series. We are a United Methodist congregation in East Atlanta Village. We seek to be creative, historic, inclusive, and justice-oriented. We are thrilled that you found our podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about our community, visit our website at eastsideatl.org.
1: so this morning, in the different ways that we might give, I know that there are many of us who are giving online, I also ask this, that in that moment, when we do so, Let us simply say a simple prayer of Lord, what must I give in terms of my prayers, in terms of my presence, in terms of how I might show up in somebody else's life this week? Yes, the material things we give, yeah, they're important to ministry how do we embody ministry this week by our presence? How do we embody ministry by how we look in someone's eyes? How do we embody ministry even right now? So I, I want us to do something before I even read the scripture and, and, and we've done it before But would you just look across the sanctuary, maybe at somebody three feet away from you and just give them a smile? Like, seriously, like, look somebody in the eye. Like, look them in in the eye and smile. I mean, just even seeing the act of smiling, what that does, the lift, the light. You know what's beautiful about even a moment like that, is that to smile and send the energy out to someone, something has to well up inside to be sent out. It's an amazing act, and and again, it's so our music team takes their seats. I I I think that they, you know, they've I I love how you know they're always just. Um, they're cool with the moments where they turn into illustrations because, you know, a couple weeks ago they were walking on water. A couple weeks ago they were stepping down into the Jordan River, getting baptized. I mean, I just, I thank God that they always just kind of roll with it in those moments. And today I'm asking us to, to roll with a few things because I will admit, coming in this morning, um, there's a bit of a, of a heaviness that is touching my heart for various reasons. Um, A heaviness with just thinking about so many of the things that are happening in our world right now. I mean, our world never has a shortage of things happening, honestly, (laughs) that you can feel heavy about. But sometimes it hits a little differently on certain mornings. And as I thought about another season of protests that we have walked into, and I say we because though none of us Had a hand in being complicit in the things that caused the protests to rise, they still impact our lives. And you know, sometimes you know, it's an interesting thing. We we sometimes never know which moment may be the moment around our corner where we are even more closely touched to it than we would when than we would desire, and than we realize we might be. And so, as I was thinking about this text this morning and how this all kind of flows together. Um, I just ask that you walk with me this morning. Let us walk together. Let us us walk with the Spirit of God, I believe, in in these critical times in our history. And and I'll move right to the text to to jump into the message. and, And I just thank God for this opportunity that we have to share. And so our text this morning reads, as he was setting out on a journey, he as in Jesus, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? But Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said to him, one thing you lack. Now I'm pausing there because I'm imagining in my mind how this young man, I'm trying to see the look on his face. The scripture tells us how he reacted, but I'm just trying to see the look on his face. One thing you lack. Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Oh, the looks on y'all's faces right now. <laughs> Talk about the look on his face. The looks on all of, i not had the same look, so it's not just y'all. But he was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. This is the word of God. For the people of God, together let us say, thanks be to God, I think. (laughs) Interesting moment. Lord God, in this moment, We ask that you walk with us. We ask that you help us wrestle. We ask that you show us light in the midst of our journey together. And let that light give us the strength and insight to be who you have called us to be. Amen. So, young man sees the master teacher, goes up to him, and like a good student, asked the question that shows that he had read up and studied up on the text. (laughs) What must I do to inherit eternal life? This this question that is such an interesting question and it is so loaded. Oh yeah, and y'all saw the title, I guess I should say it again, what must I do? That's the title of the message. So let's walk through this. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Such an interesting question. That one question is enough to walk us through the sermon. What must I do to inherit eternal life? So in that question already is embedded thoughts about purpose and legacy. This young man is coming to the Lord, asking questions that deal with, okay, what am I supposed to be doing with this journey right now? This journey in which I embarked when I came out of my mother's womb and I breathed air on this side of eternity. What should I be doing in this journey? What must I do to inherit eternal life? This idea of purpose, this idea of walking, this idea of of what kind of actions should I engage in, To inherit eternal life. But then even in this idea of eternal life, we have this recognition that this this young questioner, who could be any of us? Because they say young man, but he's simply serving as an archetype for all of us. This could be any of us asking this kind of question with the Lord standing before us. Okay, what must I do? What are my actions? What's my purpose? How do I evolve? What needs to happen on a day-to-day basis, a moment-to-moment basis, a minute-to-minute basis to inherit eternal life? This idea of eternal life, this idea that there is more to this journey than this moment in which I am engaged This idea that I am not simply running a sprint as a human being, but I am engaged in a longitudinal journey that we could call a marathon. And this marathon doesn't just end in this physical, this corporeal, this tangible body that I see, but this marathon goes even beyond the life that I see on a day-to-day basis because there's an eternity involved. Yet what must I do to inherit eternal life. Now this is such an oxymoronic question when you think about it, right? What must I do to inherit? Creation is my preaching partner this morning. What must I do to inherit? Now wait a minute. What do we need to do to inherit a thing? What's the, what's the chief prerequisite to an inheritance? <laughs> Say it out loud, Nor. Being, Being born. So wait a minute, young man. Wait a minute, young archetype for all of us. The fact that you were born is already the gateway to your inheritance. You see, there is an amazing statement around grace that pops up in that simple question. What must I do? Recognize that the gift of your birth is not a gift that you gave unto yourself recognize that the gift of your rebirth into the kingdom is not a gift that you gave unto yourself. All of us were born out of some movement, some aspect of the movement of God's love. All of us are moving and living and breathing right now out of some aspect of the movement of God's grace. God's love and God's grace And in particular, as we focus on grace in this moment, God's unmerited favor given freely to all. And it's not really based on what you and I do. It's not based on these merits that we determine for ourselves. These humanity-made merits where we're always moving the goalposts. These humanity-made merits where we are coming up with 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 new ways to say the same thing, where we possibly also walk in ways where we kind of—I don't want to say we—maybe I do want to say this, where we somewhat diminish one another's worth, rather than recognizing that we don't even have the power to diminish one another's worth. That was not the assignment we were given. That is not what we were told to do. What we were told to do is come and embody the love and the light of God and let that love and light be a part of our journey in eternal life. And recognizing that in this idea of what must I do to inherit eternal life, the simple answer to the question is receive this gift of new life in this, life in Christ and, 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 and walking under the Lordship of Christ with a faith that transforms us, that's simply all that he had to do. That's simply all that he had to do, receive the gift of life given unto you and walk in it in the most full and vibrant and life-giving fashion that you can. That's how you inherit the eternal life that was given to you. What you must do is receive it by faith, receive it with a willing response that you too might walk in the acts of selflessness that are exhibited by the one who gave that life to you. Now y'all are like, okay, that's all well, good, in theological capacity, but the Lord told this man to go and sell all his possessions and come and follow the Lord. I don't know what I would do if the Lord said, go sell all your possessions and come and follow me. Well, here's what I hope we all would do and what I wish the young man had done. He walked away dejected. He walked away dismayed. I'm sure he walked away with a lot of consternation. I'm sure he was a bit discombobulated as he walked away. Well, maybe if he waited, he could have become a little bit combobulated, you know? Could have flipped it. I know, I don't even know if that's really a word, but it just makes sense, discombobulated, combobulated, it just makes sense to put it together. I don't, but you know, But, but the point being, I mean, Jesus turned his world upside down. But it's like one of those things where it's like, wow, if he had just returned and he had not walked off and he finished the conversation. Because see, later on, one of the disciples who is there and hears this conversation and is understanding, okay, I understand why he's feeling this because we've left all behind and, and we're following Jesus and Jesus, you're throwing down this gauntlet that says it is amazingly hard to inherit eternal life. And so what I love to do is just start at verse 23, and I just want y'all to hear. I think hearing it in the text is better than me attempting to exegete it or explain it. Just hear. We start at verse 23 now. The young man has walked off. He gave Jesus that same look that you all gave me when I read the text. he turned around. Y'all can laugh at yourself. Come on now. He gave the same look and he turned around and he walked off. And so Jesus looking around said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Looking at at them, Jesus said, with people it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Now, now now hear what the rest of the text says now. Peter began to say to him, behold, we have left everything and followed you. Now, here's where I wish the young man had waited just a little longer. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters, or siblings, or mothers, or fathers, or children of farm or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake. But that they will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age houses, and siblings, and mothers, and children, and fathers, and farms, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. So wait a minute. Hold up. Now a minute ago Jesus said, give up everything and follow me, and use it for the good of others, and so the young man walks off. But Jesus finishes the sentence and says, well, but when you give it up, You're giving it up, but you're not giving it up in a way where it's not circling back. What I'm asking you to really do is, I'm asking you to give up the mindset that makes you think that because you give, you're not gonna keep receiving. Ron, can you pull up our prayer again for me? Our offering prayer. I'm not saying you're going to go into a state of destitution or a state of lack. But what if, if what the Lord is really saying is how are you, who is even Lord of your finances? Who is Lord of what you give? Who is Lord of how you use your resources? Not just, and again, remember, not just the monetary resources, because that's one thing. But monetary resources don't create family, true family. The folks who start out as strangers that become friends and become family, they don't start out as strangers that become friends that become family because we're breaking them off with some change or or with $100 bills. That's not why question. The people in your life who started out as strangers, that became friends, that became family, what is it that made that happen? And this is not rhetorical. I want to hear, what made it happen? What is it that made it happen? Where you all of a sudden saw you had other brothers and sisters and siblings and family members in Christ. What made it happen? Was it that they simply gave you something material? No. What was it? And I wanna hear, I literally wanna hear. I know this is not, you know, the traditional way of walking through a message, of literally asking the congregation to talk to you in the message like this. But I really want to hear what is it? What were those things that made somebody go from stranger to neighbor to friend to family? Relationship. Now, now what do you mean by relationship, Megan? Un- un- unpack that for us. together. It's a together Okay. That into now Wow. So these moments moved us from strangers, these series of moments that broke out. Now we're recognizing the depth of relationship that is there, now we're recognizing that even though we came from uncomp, that we came from different paths, there's this uncommon unity, this uncommon bond that's developing. And Megan, I ask you this, can you sometimes even really put a finger on just why it was like that? did y'all hear that? She couldn't put a finger on it, but there's a moment that happened. See, what Megan was describing, if, if for those who tuned in last week or were here last week, I talked about how we have to move from transactional exchanges to transformational exchanges. What Megan just described was a transformational exchange. And I wish, I wish, I know you all could hear the passion in her voice, but for me to be able to look into her eyes, I wish you could see the look that I'm seeing even in her eyes in this moment, the way her countenance changed, the way she began to literally look off in the distance and see those people in real time. It's like this, almost like this this quantum experience that's happening where she's in one place or two places at the same time and time is folding. But that's what happens when we're in that transformational space. I, I need someone else, I need someone else. How did you move from, or can you describe that moment of moving from stranger? to neighbor, to friend, to family. This is amazing. So, so, Grace, did she say a word? She's, she is not the most talked to her. She just sat there and helped me. Um, there was no words. There was just a, a sense of love. Like, I mean, love, like, what happens you? You see, what Grace is describing is how we practice the ministry of presence. Remember when I said? It's not about, it's not about this. It's, it's literally, it's, it's not about, it's about being there so that God's embrace can come through us to embrace someone else. We have to have one more, you know, this, we got to have a Trinitarian walk, right? One for, <laughs> we got to have a Trinitarian walk, we got to have a third. Is there another, another individual who can describe moving from stranger to neighbor to friend to family? Ha, think you're Goodness, so he's likable. He's the uncommon bonds. And even John, when I think about him being likable, he also had to be vulnerable at the same time. Look, he, he, he's always getting questioned and challenged by folks who are trying to trip him up and has no problem going into the question and diving into the challenge and, and, and recognizing that, okay, I'm going to express the ultimate vulnerability because I'm ultimately going to give my life for folks. who as I'm giving my life are literally cursing me and mocking me for giving my life. While there are those who are still remaining, remembering that uncommon bond and wrapped in it and are praying that the promises are true and the prophecies will come true, there are those who are standing there mocking what vulnerability to walk in. So again, what must I do? And can I turn that question into a collective question? What must we do? So walked in this morning. I did walk in with a heaviness. Asking the question, Lord, what must I do? What must we do In a world where, yes, there is abundance and there is love and there is grace and there is community. But when I think of think of Tyree Nichols in the city of Memphis. You know, and I'm having a conversation, walking in with an officer who says, it's not supposed to go down like that. That is not how we are trained. And I've experienced a whole week now walking from place to place and people looking at me in a way I've never even seen them look at me before. And I can say I'm not a bad one. But when I say that, nobody's going to listen. Mass shootings impart sometimes because of hate. Hating people because of their race. Hating people because of their sexual identity. Hating people because they don't fit whatever script. But also truth be told, sometimes they're coming out of people's own internal struggles, where they take people's lives and then take their own life because the struggle was that bad. So Lord, what must I do? What must we do in times like this Truly, church, the difficulty of asking a question like that is that it forces us to recognize that sometimes we're going to feel like our answers aren't good enough. That sometimes it's going to feel like these problems are too big to solve. That sometimes leaning on this idea <laughs> that with. It's like the virus, if you got the text. And you can quote it right, quote it right. That sometimes with people it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So again, the question is, what must we do? I'm asking all of us to do this, but not as if this is a final answer. First, recognize that the gift of grace has given all of us new life. God loves us beyond measure. And how did we inherit this gift? Nora told us, and I love the look on her face when she said it. We were born. That's how we inherited this gift. So now the question is, what is our response? What is our response with knowing that we have inherited this gift, with knowing that we are enfolded in God's agape love, with knowing that, that God's love surrounds us and, and God desires that the love flow through us in life-giving ways and flow through us in transformative ways and flow through us in ways where strangers become neighbors, become friends, become family? This week, whether you consider your act of loving on someone, big or small, I just ask that we do it. Whether we consider our prayers as prayers that may have minor significance in the grand scheme of things or major things in the grand scheme of things, I just ask that we pray. in the midst of conversations that might change hearts and minds, whether we think it will change the heart or mind or not, I ask that we may be, John, be like Peter and meet Jesus walking on water and just see what'll happen. Your words of encouragement might be the miracle that literally saves someone's life this week. Your decision to see someone, see them, might be the moment that helps them recognize that yes, depression is real and pain is real, but the fact that someone cares for me is real just as well. Your decision to ask God the question, what must I do? might be the moment where someone else realizes they need to ask God the same question. And because they ask God the same question, they find an uncommon bond of community that they did not know existed for them. The presence of God's love in you might connect someone else to the presence of God's love. And so, Say, Pastor T, but what does this still have to do with mass shootings and police brutality, or even police saying that's not how we're supposed to police that? That's not what we do. I think of a good friend of mine, professor over at Emory, named Gregory Ellison, and some of his work. He talks about this idea of a three-feet challenge. You say, what is a three-feet challenge? Now, at some point, i have Gregory to come and share with us. And he will share, and he'll feel fine with me saying this, that he was an interesting little child. And he says when he was about seven years old one time, he asked one of his aunts, how can I change the world? Y'all, y'all ever encountered any seven-year-olds with those kind of thoughts? How can I change the world? So his aunt looked at him and said, baby, I don't know if you can change the world, but what I do know that you can do is you can change the three feet in front of you by the way you love on people, the way you treat people, the way you see people, the way you walk with people, Maybe grace the way you hold people when they don't, when you don't even have the words to say anything to them. So as you ask yourself the question this week, what must I do to be a part of God's love transforming this world? Don't necessarily get concerned with the whole block. Don't get concerned with the whole city. Don't even get concerned with the whole world be concerned with the three feet in front of you. And something tells me that if we can do that, that though with us there are a lot of things that are impossible, we'll find out that with God flowing through us, all things are possible. And yes, I say it oftentimes, you, my family and friends, not only can be, but you are the word of God for the people of God. And everywhere you go this week, somebody is going to say, thanks be to God.
0: God bless you, family. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is James. I've been invited to lead us in the prayers of the people this morning uh, I may at times throughout this prayer say, uh, Lord, in your mercy, and if the Spirit moves you and you feel comfortable, I invite you to respond with, hear our prayers. Uh, it's been a heavy week. Uh, I know a lot of people are probably feeling some kind of way this morning. So I'd like to invite us all before I begin to pray out loud, just close our eyes and Take a deep breath down into the deepest part of the belly. Just feeling the Holy Spirit fill us with the comforting breath. And maybe just opening the mouth and just sighing out. (sighs) Creator, we give you thanks for this church community for the incredible and amazing work that it does. We ask that you continue to pour your spirit out on the work that we do. We pray for your presence among our core groups as they begin another semester of work together. We've heard over and over the testimony of those among this community of the life-changing experiences they have had in core groups. And we ask, Maker, that you continue to bless that work. We give you thanks for the work that is done by our justice ministry teams. We particularly give you thanks for the pantry. I have an opportunity often to speak with those who experience food insecurity or housing insecurity and this neighborhood, and I know firsthand the impact that that ministry has made in their lives. Continue to bless it, continue to let the donations of the pantry be generous and abundant. Continue, Maker, to move within our church body to support The things we do here with the fruits of our labor, with gifts of money and time and physical and mental labor, this church community rests on the generosity of those that call it home. Continue to move in us to do this. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, it's been cold recently. The cold is particularly challenging on our unhoused neighbors. We just ask that you be with them, that you find shelter, clothing, other necessities to keep them warm and safe. Lord, we also ask you to remind us that our unhoused neighbors are your children as well, and deserving of our support, financial and otherwise. Lord, we also know that sometimes when we're approached on the street, we can move a little quicker, cast our eyes downwards out of shame or embarrassment or fear, moving us to look our neighbors in the eye, regardless of whether it's uncomfortable or not to see all of our neighbors as children of God. Christ, we know when you walked on the earth, you said that wherever someone was hungry and was fed, we were doing the same for you. Help us to remember that in our own neighborhood. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Oh Lord, we are once again reminded of the Overwhelming presence of violence in our society, of state-sponsored violence, of violence one-on-one, violence related to people's identity. Lord, we know that when you walked on the earth in human form, every time you had the opportunity to choose violence, to choose the exercise of power over others, you chose a different route. You chose a route of reconciliation. You chose a route of peace. You even chose a route of surrender. May you move in all of us to try to emulate this example, to live into your instruction on the Sermon on the Mount when you said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayers. Lord, we're also reminded, and I'm reminded through the message this morning, that all people, all people are created in your likeness to be called children of God, including the young ones, filled with incredible joy. But Lord, we know that from the saints, to the least, from the police officer to the unhoused, from the Pope to the most strident atheist, all people are children of God, worthy and deserving of respect and love, even when we don't agree with their beliefs or their actions. We know the example you provided was not to look away or excuse, but to lean forward Challenging in love, may we emulate this across the world in everything we do. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And finally, God, in times like this, it's easy to look around and only see bleakness, negativity, challenges. Remind us that we do live in a time of joy that we live as people of the resurrected Messiah who conquered death, who conquered sin, who brought true justice into the world. Remind us of this daily. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now I invite each of you to engage in a time of silent reflection or confession as the Spirit moves you. Friends, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners and that proves God's love for us. In the name of Christ, you are forgiven. And now, as a forgiven and resurrected people, I invite you to stand and pass the peace amongst each other.
1: Hallelujah. If we could, let us stand as we prepare for our benediction. And um, and that energy that is stirring up, it is real and palpable. The Spirit of God is moving in our midst. Um, So thankful to think about the things that are happening amongst our youth and our children. Thankful to think about the ways that, that we are are showing up as answers to prayers. And so we thank God for the gift of being able to pray. But it's such an amazing thing to be part of those answers. And so let us lift holy hands. And my prayer for us is simply this. Lord, as we ask us the question of what must we do, remind us of the gift of grace, and show us how you have ordained it that we would be answers to someone else's prayers today and this week. Let us go in peace. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah, Lord.
0: That you've enjoyed this week's message and we look forward to connecting with you soon if you'd like to experience our full church services you can find them at youtube.com eastsidechurchatl and if you'd like to support the work we're doing here at eastside you can find our giving portal at our website eastsideatl.org be well